This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're going to, please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. And I did want to give a shout out to a few of our latest Patreons, Dave S., Craig H and wait for it, vegan Fabio. Oh, finally, we've been courting his patronage for a long time. That is correct. Um, how are you doing? I'm okay. Getting ready to go away for the weekend, which is still a very strange thing. We're going to Southern Illinois, the famous wine trail, <laughs> the Lower Midwest, I guess. It's where and everyone I, I spent goes. Dollars on cheese last night, so I'm. <laughs> Pretty good. Have Excellent. A good, uh, good, fine, very sleepy. I blame the children, as always. <laughs> as always. Um, I have this for you, and it's so new, and I'm so excited to tell you about it. Um, okay, get this. There is a writer named Sarah Zhang. Uh, she used to write for the New York Times. She doesn't anymore. Okay, fine. Um, when she was hired by the New York Times, there were a bunch of people very, very upset about this. One, because she's very sarcastic on Twitter. And oh. two, because she writes about a lot of issues that get the red pill people very much worked up. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there were a lot of memes that were spreading about her attributing quotations to her, which she never said. And one of them, um, and I'm basically paraphrasing this, is her allegedly saying we should have a castration lottery for white men because, <laughs> because well, yeah, not, should. <laughs> she never actually she never actually said that that was not even a joke taken out of one of her columns out of context that's just something she never said she just didn't say it and somebody made it up to get mad about it right that's um, too bad. That's pretty funny. I think the people who made it up are, we're talking like 4chan people who are just like, she's horrible. This is the mm-hmm. sort of thing she says. But oh, then it gets yeah. passed around and people are like, how dare she? And so it gets around, this is years ago that oh. this all happened. But now recently a pastor named David Munns got a hold. He saw that meme somewhere, hmm. assumes, I guess, that she said it and that she still writes for the New York Times or something. But he writes her an email letting her know what he thinks about it. Let me read you his short email. How about if we took all the little bitter Asian women and had a lottery and cut their clits like the Muslims do? Not a very classy position, is it? Neither is your trashy little bitter personality towards white men. Only in a world where journalism is controlled by brain-dead liberals do you people even have jobs. You people. Signed, Muns. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, you wow. People. You people. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. Okay. He sent it from his work email. His work email is the church that he runs. <laughs> And so the writer, Sarah, oh, men are such garbage. <laughs> so she posts, she, she posts on Twitter. 
that basically uh, she gets a lot of hate mail. That's not new. If you're a woman, if you're a woman in journalism, if you're a woman of color in journalism, yep. Who among she us? says, I pretty much never do this. But this guy is a, quote, pastor <laughs> posts the email that he sent, which was sent like over the weekend and posts a screenshot from his church's web sh- website that shows that he is their pastor. Like, we're not making this up. He is who he says he is, right? Uh-huh. And so basically, this guy runs a church called Christian Life Church in Macomb, Michigan. And Ooh. this tweet of hers went viral for obvious reasons. Because what an insane thing to say, much less coming from a Christian pastor mm-hmm. um, and who's super racist. And, like, I'm reading through that email. And it's like, what has to be going through your head when you are writing an email that not only takes pot shots at Asian women, mm-hmm. um, but f- like fantasizes about theoretical genital mutilation as a thing. And by the way, just throws in a, like the Muslims, like do, the Muslims as if, do as if it's all of them. So it's Islamophobic. It's misogynistic. It's racist. It's racist. And he thinks journalism is controlled by brain dead liberals that should not have jobs. Uh, I'm looking at right now. He like his grammar isn't even very good, which I understand is not like, the main problem, the bitter, little bitter Asian women and had a lottery and cut their clits like the Muslims do. Like he took her fake quote uh-huh. so seriously that he just felt like, you know what? I'm going to rebut this via email. Like he doesn't have the wherewithal to even say, I'm going to find a troll account and do it. He's right. like, yep, I'm going to sign my name to this thing and send it from my work email. Yeah, fake Gmail accounts are free. <laughs> <laughs> so like all the hubris it takes to write a letter like that. And then she posts it because why not? So that's this tweet of hers goes viral. And a couple days later, like the local news reaches out to him. Like who the, what are you doing? And he's hacked. Was he hacked? He was hacked. He didn't even bother with that. Here's his response uh, that he gave the local news. My response is he, oh, I should say he admitted that the quotation was fake and that he did not do his research in looking up whether she actually said that Uh is bad. Okay. Here's what he says. My response is terrible, but what I was responding to was simply reversed of exactly what she posted towards white men. I just reversed it and said, how would you feel? Um, He later admitted it was a hoax that that he should have caught. He added, should I have responded? Probably not. Probably not. But in light of the summer we've had, all that's going on, I just caved. Like, (sighs) we all have pandemic stress. Sometimes we eat stuff. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we like, I don't know, do all sorts of things. I've never gone full racist and thrown an entire group of people under the bus. I'm looking at what you're showing me. I just bought a bunch of carbs. They're like fancy, garlicky, crispy breadsticks. That's how I deal with my... So you do not... Generalized anxiety. You don't fantasize about theoretical mutilation. Um... And then he said, I'm going to talk to my congregation about this this weekend. Okay, so let's say it cuts forward a few hours at least. They also, the local news published a quote-unquote apology letter that he sent to her. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to, it's very long. I'm not going to read it all. But here's what he, a couple of the key points. 
Miss Zhang, I understand my email was off base, as I have been informed that it is not something you said. <laughs> as if if she had actually said that, even in jest, his email right. would have been fine. I, um, he said, uh, yes, I am human and should never have assumed it was true or gone to such extremes to make a point. My, attitude, <laughs> my attitude was wrong, and I believe a bit fueled due to what I've read of yours in the past. Like, you brought this on yourself. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he adds later. You are projecting I, so hard. I truly hope you have grown beyond your frustration of us white folks as we are all works in progress. Oh, and God. then the best part, the best part. I am never going to be silent on injustices, especially those of the race issue. Especially fake ones. <laughs> oh, my God. So Wowee. Wow, wow, wow. So pre-test. he... Yeah. Yeah. So he posits, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. Yeah. He posits that even though he was responding to something that didn't exist. Yes. He was on the anti-racist side. Yes. He's very much like I run a multiracial church. <laughs> he has Yikes. black friends. You know, oh, the, you know the type. So I'm saying cool. that, not him. But like, yeah, that's the idea. Um, the the newspaper Detroit Free Press reached out to Sarah too, and they're like, "So, what do you think of his quote unquote apology?" And she basically said, "You know, I can only take it to mean that he believes his original email was written in the spirit of justice." <laughs> she said the apology also blamed me, saying that his original email, blah blah blah. Um, is fueled by what he's read of hers. And she Uh added, I'm not sure whether he means my reporting as a journalist, any of my actual tweets taken out of context, or the numerous falsely attributed quotes that have circulated on social media. So, okay, uh, one more factual thing. The Uh church's website no longer works. They've taken it down. Mm -hmm. His email address no longer works. He's taken that offline. They shut down all of their social media. I tried YouTube, and I did find their church's page, so they haven't taken that one down yet. And reading the comments on the latest sermon videos, that was a trip. Everyone's like, I'm waiting to hear what the pastor has to say about racism. (laughs) Like, hilarious. Um, Oh, boy. But I guess the thing that didn't shock me about this like i'm looking at her tweet that she posted about his email and i'm like yeah sounds about right like i'm not even shocked by this why would a conservative christian pastor like would anyone be surprised that a conservative christian pastor turns out to be an asshole towards someone like her like that's not that's not surprising and again, the sort of email he sent is the sort of thing you would send if you've done it before or oh, yeah. thought about it before. Yeah. Like yep. no one in his life circle has ever gotten through to him, at least, mm-hmm. that you don't do that or you find better ways to express your criticism. I don't yeah. Know. Can I take t- a tiny bit of umbrage with one thing? It's the yes. fact that she, that Sarah Jung used scare quotes around pastor. <laughs> he <laughs> is a pastor. Yeah. It's unfair to, to pretend he's not really. Yeah. And, and like, I think that just lends credence to like, Oh, all pastors are nice. This must be the one bad one. Whereas like, we know that there are just as many assholes in pastordom right. in the church than there are in the rest of the world. And that means there are a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But 
That's a thing that happened. Uh, she has not on Twitter posted his apology, like a screenshot of his apology. She was thinking about that. She wasn't sure. But she did a link to the news website where it was published. Um, but seriously, messed up in so many ways. That's and, so sad and so pathetic. <laughs> that actually leads her. That actually leads into uh, a story I've really been wanting to talk about all week, which, which is that the Southern Baptist Convention, like the leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention, have basically been making an informal push away from the word Southern because they're like, you know what? That's kind of offensive or it has negative connotations for a couple of reasons. Here's what they said. It, there's a racist past associated with the South mm-hmm. uh, that people link up for good reason. Sure. And they don't, they don't want to be like the quote unquote racist church or the church affiliated with racism, even though it has a long history uh-huh. of racism, like the Southern Baptist convention has a long history of racism. They said the Southern part doesn't help us overcome that. Okay. They also said we're a global organization. And when you say the South, it's specifically a regional thing in the U.S., but it also suggests that we're not catering beyond the South or beyond the United States. So they don't like that. Uh Okay, fine. Um, But basically what they said is we, and by we, I mean several leaders among the Southern Baptists say we refer to ourselves as the Great Commission Baptists. Oh, yeah, that's going to catch on. Yep. The Great Commission being basically Jesus's message after he was resurrected to his disciples saying, go out, spread the gospel on my behalf. Basically, that's the Great Commission. So they're like, we are the Great Commission Baptists. A couple smaller things about this. The it's not the Catholic Church. The Pope can't say we are now known as this and all of you have to play along. Right. The Southern Baptist Convention is like a loose coalition of 50,000 churches around the country. They do have an elected leader. J.D. Greer is the current one, but mm-hmm. he can't tell them what to do. So he's like, I this is the move I'm making. And if you guys want to use Southern Baptists, so be it. Like, I can't stop you, but I'm heading in this direction. And so are a bunch of other people. (sighs) So I should also point out Greer, among other Southern Baptists, has actually tried to be proactive in shifting the Southern Baptist Convention away from all the bad stuff. Um, He has said in addresses that, like, Jesus was not white. He was a brown-skinned Middle Eastern refugee. All right. He He has talked about Black Lives Matter and not in some ironic way, not followed by all lives matter. No, no, no. He <laughs> literally said, black, no, Black Lives Matter. He has, another Southern Baptist leader has said Confederate statues need to come down. Like, they have tried to get away from the past. But really, if you're thinking about Southern Baptist, there are a hell of a lot of racist people associated sure. with the Southern Baptist. So it's really hard to escape it. This is kind of maybe... One of the biggest attempts to get away from it. And just to give you an idea of how they can't force everyone to do this. um, We know the Catholic Church's sex scandal. Last year, the Houston Chronicle posted this lengthy researched article, series of articles about the Southern Baptist Convention sexual abuse problem. Oh, and, yeah, the problem, yeah. and the thing is there, yes, they have pastors and staffers who are abusive and they have stories of victims coming forth. 
But because it's not centralized, because this is a loose coalition of 50,000 churches, J.D. Greer was like, I can't just go and say these are the new rules you have to follow. Sure. Force that upon them, but they also weren't like collecting a database of who the bad people are. Like the Houston Chronicle is like, fine, then we did it for you, and wow. we have a hell of a lot of people. So, like, that's one example of where their loose affiliation thing doesn't help. Um, and then one final thought about this: eighty-six percent of Southern Baptists, which, by the way, largest Protestant denomination in the country, eighty-six mm-hmm. percent of Southern Baptists voted for Donald Trump in twenty sixteen. So given that, like, here's what I don't get. If you want to walk away from racism and they appear on the surface to want to do that, mm-hmm. um, changing the name is window dressing. Yeah. Like we, we will judge you by your actions. But if so many of you are still voting for Donald Trump, either you are racist or you're mm-hmm. not bothered by Republican racism. Uh, right. And so like, how can we assume you, how can we think, okay, you've gotten past that. You've, you've reckoned with your own history mm-hmm. when you, when most of you are still like, meh, racism doesn't bother me. Let's vote for this guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just hard for me to see any way that this helps beyond like, you're right. It's window dressing. It's a lot of words, not deeds. Uh, I don't know. Like the Southern Baptist convention, the biggest problem with that phrase is the word Baptist. Yeah. The root of your problem isn't Southern, bud. like you're going to have to do some real good soul searching. If you think that that's going to like solve any problems for you, it's just sexual abuse thing is a religious problem, or at least by the religious institutions, the Southern Baptists are historically misogynistic. Women are not allowed to run churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some, a lot of people think they shouldn't be allowed to preach. There was a, a pastor, Beth Moore, who is a very popular, uh, preacher who Mm -hmm. was speaking, I believe at a Southern Baptist church this year or last year. And like the backlash was intense against her because how dare anyone let a woman speak. They're also overwhelmingly against LGBTQ rights. Like the Baptist stuff is the reason so many people are opposed to their, their not because it has the word Southern. That's like the Dixie chick saying, we'll get rid of the word Dixie. It's like, you guys are not the issue here. And fine, you could change it. Lady Antebellum can get rid of Antebellum, but like, we know who you are. Like, we'll judge you by what you do. The word yeah. itself, problematic, but not the biggest problem. It's it's your actions. Man, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, it, it's, it's not even like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. It's like if somebody has cancer and you give them like a throat lozenge. Like, it's not even getting close to what the root issue is. If it makes you feel better, I guess that's fine, but... Don't pretend that this is some, like, brave step you're taking. (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder, like, the Mormon church a year or two ago, like, the leader of the Mormon church said, stop calling us Mormons. We are the Church of Latter, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, of course, for reporters especially, like, that didn't catch on because it's so uh, bulky. It's a wieldy. No one wants to write that out all the time. And plenty of Mormons themselves were like, I'm Mormon. Like, that's just easier to say. Right. they basically unofficially, maybe I can't remember the update here, but they basically abandoned it. People use Mormon all the time. Like yeah. it's hard to rebrand yourself when you have a long history with the word. And all these churches are like, yep, I'm a Southern Baptist pastor. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You're not a great, and great commission. That's a Christian thing in general. Like 
all Christians are basically evangelists, many uh-huh. of them. Like, that's not unique to you. You can't say, like, we are the we are the ones that spread the gospel. Yeah, see? See? We're special. <laughs> like, dude, that doesn't make you special. That, yeah. that whatever. Um, this is along the exact same lines then. And this, this story dropped like within 24 hours of the Southern Baptist one. Mm-hmm. There is a group that's been around for more than 50 years called Evangelicals for Social Action. Good okay. group. They fight for justice in a lot of different ways. They are ditching the word evangelicals. Oh, okay. <laughs> pretty much the same reason. Yeah. We, know, we know the connotation. We don't like it either. They are just going to be, they renamed everything, social media, everything, Christians for social action. And the excuse that they gave is that there is an identity shift among younger, more racially diverse Christians um, in terms of what they call themselves, which is true. A lot of people who might otherwise be evangelicals no longer use the label because it tells people like me too much about you. Like, right. oh, you're evangelical, you're against LGBTQ rights, you're against women's rights, you probably don't accept science, you're probably against basic human decency, <laughs> right. and you belong to the Republican Party under Donald Trump. Like, if you don't want me to make those assumptions, calling yourself an evangelical is not helping your case. And it's true, like, there are Christians who are not any of those things, right? Um, and I mean that in a good way. And so this is an attempt to say, fine, we're not going to use the word evangelical. We lost that battle. We have not been able to rebrand it. We'll just call ourselves Christians and focus yeah. on our works. Do you think this is an instance of like, they feel like they've lost a battle or that evangelical, like that they, that, that they lost this battle of trying to pull the evan- evangelists left versus the like evangel, ugh. evangelical Christians have evangelical Christians have moved so far to the right. They no longer feel that's, like they're in the same. That's exactly okay. what it is. And again, this group is like 50 years old when they came up with the name evangelicals for social justice. It wasn't like the Republican thing. It wasn't right. associated with everything we now assume goes with white evangelical Christians. Yeah. So it's like they have the name, but now it's been so distorted that word that they're like, you know what, it, this is becoming an obstacle to the work we want to do and right. the people we want to draw in. Like, you're not going to have a lot of black progressive Christians like, oh, you're evangelicals. No, thank you. So they're like, fine, we'll, we'll just change our name. We'll run with it. I will say like they they at least they changed the right word. Right. <laughs> How, when yeah. was it when the Campus Crusade for Christ is like, you know what? We need to rebrand. Crew. Let's, keep, let's keep the word crusade. Yeah. <laughs> like of all the words that were problematic, they're like crusade is the good part. Let's oh, call God. ourselves crew for short. Like that was that. I don't know if that worked out for them. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh Scientific American. So for the first <laughs> for the first time in 175 years, I did not even know the magazine was around that long in whatever form it was around in. They've never gotten involved in endorsing any candidates. Right. They said now that we're going to break tradition because too much is in the balance. So they endorsed. You'll never guess who they endorsed. Um, Jill Stein. <laughs> Very close. Very <laughs> close. Yeah. So they endorsed Joe Biden, which what? is not a surprise. And they, yeah. and if you read the editorial, there are two halves to it. One half is why Donald Trump 
is so bad for Mm -hmm. everything science. And just to give you a quick rundown, um, he's trying to tear down the Affordable Care Act. He's proposed billion-dollar cuts to the NIH, the National Mm -hmm. Science uh, Foundation, the CDC, Mm -hmm. agency, I'm quoting, agencies that increase our scientific knowledge and strengthen us for future challenges. (laughs) He is slashing programs that would ready us for future pandemics, etc., Then they shifted to, this isn't just anti-Trump, we are pro-Biden, and they Mm -hmm. said he solicits expertise. He has turned that knowledge into solid policy proposals. He is prepared to uh, reduce carbon emissions, restore the role of legitimate science in policymaking. And again, uh, of course, all of that makes sense if you care about science and reality in any way. Yeah, and if you've been living on the planet, this is a pretty logical conclusion for them to reach. Yeah, otherwise you're not going to live on a planet. (laughs) And so they did this endorsement, and the obvious question is, will it make a difference? And I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if it'll tangibly make a difference because the sort of people who agree with them were probably already voting for Joe Biden's Mm -hmm. shift. Um, I joked about this before, but I can't imagine all the mega hat people are like rushing out to cancel their scientific American subscriptions. <laughs> so they they're not reading it to begin with. Right. But here's the here's what I liked about it, because the endorsement itself is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning they gave will not blow anyone's mind because, yeah, of course, there's only one candidate who cares about science at this mm-hmm. point. The thing that I appreciated is that they recognize you cannot be on the sidelines here. And even if your publication has a history of, quote unquote, like being objective, staying out of the fray, this is not a time to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, They know they got to take sides. And this is too like I know science is not partisan, but respect for science and paying attention to science very much now is partisan. And if you care about science in any way, there is only one party for you uh, with a viable chance of winning, I should right. say. So that is what I appreciated. Like, there are other people who are like, well, I don't take any stance on the presidential. Re- like, what is wrong with you? Like, a, there was a reporter for The New York Times. Maybe it was Peter Baker, one of their Washington people who writes about trump all the time Mm -hmm. and they did like a little this isn't a reporting but we asked peter baker what does he do in his free time and they asked him like so how do you decide who to vote for something like that Mm -hmm. because you report on this stuff and he said i hope i'm getting the right guy otherwise this sounds horrible but whoever the reporter was he said something like oh i don't vote i i don't want to do anything but remain objective in this stuff and it's like i i didn't ask who you vote for i don't like that's irrelevant, maybe. Yeah. But like, stay out of it because you think it helps you remain objective. You're a person. What is wrong with you? I don't care what your job is. You can um, take this, and you're the expert. You follow these people every day. How do you not know who's better? Like, do something about it. Oh, I know. Like, there are journalists who'll be like, "That makes sense. You don't vote if you're trying to." Like, no. Jesus, you can't stay on the sidelines. What is wrong with you? Yeah, actually, um, so a year, oh God, a year and a half ago, I interviewed Jesse Thorne, who's an NPR journalist, and we talked about this literal exact thing because he said, like, he says he's a journalist, so he, he is a journalist, and so he says he doesn't, like, reveal his um, political uh, political preferences. It's very obvious where he stands. And he brought this guy up. And it, I honestly, it's been something I've been thinking about ever since, because I just, I don't know that I 
believe that it's possible for a person to be fully objective the way this guy pretends that he is. I just, I, I think objective. I'm not looking for him to give an endorsement. I'm not looking no. to him to say you should vote the way I'm voting. But the idea that, well, I don't vote. You're a citizen, too. You have a life outside your job. Yeah, I, I think it's just, I mean, I'm I'm really fed up with non-voters in general this year of all years. But yeah, I I just think it's just kind of this bullshit thing of, pretending that I I am the one objective person and I have to look at all the facts and I cannot draw a conclusion from those facts because that means I have an opinion on a thing. Like, that's just such I must a... be biased because I... Right. Like, oh, you watch MSNBC? You must be biased. Like, oh my God, no, you don't understand. It's not a both sides thing here. There's one... I hate the people who are like, well, MSNBC is the liberal version of Fox News. So no, not. not even close. They operate in one operates in reality mm-hmm. and has some people with a liberal bent on their like opinion shows. I mean, definitely Fox more liberal than off. Fox. I'll give you that. But yeah, like, but, that, but again, I know this is an old Stephen Colbert line, but like reality has a well-known liberal bias yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that's what happens when you live in reality. Science works. You listen to experts that, yeah. not partisan i'm just so confounded to me like it's like if you see somebody get murdered and you're like okay i've observed everything that happened but i cannot decide who is better the murderer or the victim like i need to be objective let me report on how the gunshot went down right and how all the evidence pointed to the guy but like Oh, I could never be on a jury and think about this stuff. No, like and, you're. Oh, if you can't do it, why do you think readers should be able to do right. it? And I think the fact that journalists, people pretend that journalism is is innately objective. I mean, besides reporting literal quotes that people said and literal facts and figures, which even those are obviously easy, easily. Um, distorted just phrasing headlines yeah changes people's minds notoriously so bad like a man was shot by a man was involved in an officer related shooting (laughs) is different from a cop shot a guy seven times in the back like those are the same objectively the same story but to pretend that you as a writer and as a person who's communicating don't have a hand in how you're being perceived is so fucking pompous and naive at the same time somehow. Trump made a racially tinged comment oh, during his rally. <laughs> or like the whole, the, cause I think the objectivity thing that makes me crazy is that journalists and news organizations are falling all over themselves to both sides as to death. Yeah. Right. Like, yesterday Joe Biden it, it, Joe Biden played a song on his Despacito. phone Despacito yeah. on his phone because the artist introduced him haha isn't that lame the same day we found out that like ice has been performing hysterectomies on women and those have shared like the, the, those are treated like they're both equally fucked up it's not oh, it's just not and even if you go on universe. Fox News the Despacito thing was even worse and on Twitter Trump is like used a different song altogether that said like F the police. No, it was, it was fuck the police. The, yeah. like, he played that and he retweeted it. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I just am really. 
Like, I seriously, I want to know what's wrong with people who are like, I cannot vote in this election. Uh, Both parties are corrupt. Like, God, how selfish and dumb do you have to be? I think you can criticize Democrats. It's fine. Oh, my God. Jesus. I I got in a dumb um, Facebook argument with some guy who was of the Joe Biden is is as bad as Donald oh. Trump or worse. And I was just like, I'm so, I'm so fucking disgusted by these. How do I take a vacation in that mind for like a day where I can be in like fantasy land? It's these people are going to both sides us right into fascism. And then they're going to be smug and like, see, I told you everybody was bad. Like, no, 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 no. When, when, even if you think Joe Biden is bad, which like, I'm not necessarily out of that camp to pretend that these two people offer the same danger to the country is so intellectually dishonest and so fucking stubborn. And so like, I'm going to take my ball and go home because my candidate didn't get, didn't get picked. It's such bullshit. It's your candidate who runs in the presidential election and no other race ever. I, like that oh god and the thing is it's it's never solutions right like i saw somebody say that like you know biden uh, promised whatever two trillion dollars toward climate science and this guy comes back like well that's not nearly enough (laughs) okay well i'm gonna compare that money to trump's zero dollars slash negative dollars and i think you could agree with me that yeah, $2 trillion may not be enough, but it is more than zero. Yeah, there was a, I read an article this week that talked about a guy who was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to label him this way. This is not the label, but like very radical left leaning sort of guy. And Are you referring to the dirtbag left? No, 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 okay. no. Just super like one of those people who's like, well, climate change, you need to go even further. And this guy, uh, when Biden was on the verge of winning the nomination, mm-hmm. started like because he's such a progressive voice yeah uh the biden camp reached out to him and said come join us for this conversation about climate because we're trying to figure out our policies because we're going to get the nomination it was pretty apparent right 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 and he went along with it and people got mad at him for like doing oh i remember that i read this article and and basically what he said later was well guess what because of my voice in there and because of other voices like mine the like the Sanders camp people's voices, the climate policy that the Biden campaign put out was significantly more progressive mm-hmm. than what he started out with. And that is a victory. Biden for is running about this stuff. the most progressive campaign of my lifetime. Like yes. there's just the no two ways is, about it. Not progressive enough. You're right. Good. Yeah. Make him get him elected. Push him further. Or That's how all run for work. local office. Run yeah. for Congress. Like you, you sitting and whining and bragging about how you're not going to quote unquote throw away your vote on Biden because of Clarence Thomas. Which, like, yeah, we should all be mad about Clarence Thomas. That was a fucking travesty. That was terrible. He performed poorly there. And I don't think we should let him off the hook. However, comma, in whatever. And by the way, Anita Hill said she'll vote for Joe Biden. Right. And like in, oh my God, in 50 days, I have to walk into a booth or my home or whatever and cast a vote for one of two people who is going to be our next president. Well, either Joe Biden or Donald Trump is going to be 
the Green next, Party is the not going to stage the comeback you think they will. Joe Jorgensen or whatever her name is is not winning, and she like wants to go back to basically like she she thinks it doesn't matter. I, I don't no want idea to, who you're talking about, but oh, I like she's like going. a li- she's like the kind of token libertarian candidate that uh, everybody kind of throws in. Like she's the only one who really gets us, and it's like well she's kind of like <laughs> anti OSHA and things like that. Like she wants like all regulations to be gone, which just is like dragging us back to the industrial revolution when children died in like fucking thread factories i think i'm good with some regulations actually joe yeah i the wisconsin thing happened this week where wisconsin's supreme court which is notoriously conservative actually said you know what the green party candidates did not submit proper information to us Mm -hmm. so we're not going to rewrite the ballots and include them right go ahead and send out the ballots you want to and that included one of the most conservative justices saying yeah they did it wrong so the democrats want a big thing there yeah that's huge the issue there is what's scary to me is that that lawsuit like stop sending out ballots we got to get the green party on there even though they did everything wrong that lawsuit was brought by like republican lawyers oh they know what they're doing they do know what they're doing and the thing is that scares me is they've screwed up the Kanye thing in many states where he can't get on the ballot. Mm -hmm. They've screwed up helping the green party get on the ballot. And it's scary to think that if they were less stupid and more competent, they like, imagine if Trump wasn't a complete moron, how much more damage he could do. Cause he, we we're dealing with all this shit right now. Cause he's a moron and he's controlled by other people who want these things. But like, God, if he was smart, Oh my Holy god, it'd be shit. fucked. Um, I I how many j- Supreme Court cases did they lose the like you filled out the wrong paperwork so right, John Roberts exactly. is like no, no. And like I don't want a technical victory on those, but I guess I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Like genuinely I know Trump is evil down to his bones. Sometime in like the depths of how cruel he is doesn't surprise me much anymore how genuinely dumb he is still shocks me like every single day like just the way he like what did he say when uh you downplayed it no i upplayed it (laughs) (laughs) we have you on tape no a a upplayed is not an expression or a word b you can't just say no i didn't and oh i mean that is the problem he can just say no i didn't and fox news is like "Mm, who knows who knows there is no objective truth nope um so the moral of the story is the journal for the american mathematical society should get their endorsement ready to go there's no reason to be on the sideline yes um you're gonna enjoy this one too i think okay um this one made me this one made me especially mad because I don't know if the mother is an atheist, but she kind of comes off that way, even though it wasn't described. But here's the story. Okay. Uh, her daughter, some some daughter, is, I think, a senior at a high school in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, over in class, in her English class, and I don't know which English class, like advanced placement English or something else. But her teacher said, I need you to read Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 which is basically the creation myth mm-hmm. and the Adam and Eve story. Mm-hmm. Read those. Um, and that was the assignment. 
The mother said that's a violation of church-state separation. She added, the teacher happens to be a part-time pastor. Hmm. Uh, She said the pastor asked many questions to students about the creation story. And she said in an email, like, this is all an effort to convert my child. And, you know, generally, I'm pretty sympathetic to that argument. That sounds pretty bad. Right. But then you're like, all right, what the hell is the school's opinion on this whole thing? And here's where it gets insane. Um, The reason the teacher says he wanted kids to read Genesis, those specific chapters, is because they're going to read Paradise Lost. They're going to read Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And those specifically make reference to the creation story or have allusions to the creation story. Like if you don't understand Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. and you don't understand God creating things Mm -hmm. and people, there's some stuff in Frankenstein. You're not going to understand there's stuff in paradise lost. You can't understand. And we can't assume everyone knows those stories. So the teacher said, I want you to read those stories because they are the basis for these works of literature that we are going to read. Mm -hmm. And I need you to understand the myth Well, he didn't say that, but I need you to understand these stories so that you can understand the rest of this. And my favorite part about this is there was an email exchange between the mother who sent this email, like, you're proselytizing to my child, to the teacher, Mm -hmm. to the principal, and Mm -hmm. to the superintendent. And the I don't have a copy of that email, and they didn't make that public, but the local news station showed, like, a pan of the computer screen and so I paused it. And I'm like, oh I want to see what this God. email says. Okay. It's beautiful because I don't know this teacher and they didn't identify the teacher, but I identify with this teacher. Oh God. Okay. At one point, the mother's like, why aren't students, I'm paraphrasing, why aren't students learning about the Iliad or the Odyssey? In other words, other myths, right? right? Not just Christianity. The teacher writes back and I quote, the Odyssey is a freshman text. I did teach it when I taught freshman English. <laughs> the mother resp- says at some point, why not works by Shakespeare in terms of literature? The teacher responds, I do. <laughs> and then, oh my God, this is the best. Oh my God. She said, um, and a little of this is paraphrased because the computer screen did not pan on all of this. So I had to fill in the uh-huh. blank. I assume that you will also be reading Darwin's On the Origin of Species since there are so many scientific complexities in Frankenstein. And the teacher writes back, Darwin was nine years old when Shelley's work was written in 1818, so she could not have been drawing off of Darwin's book. However, Paradise Lost is explicitly mentioned in Frankenstein and it is given considerable attention as the creature learns how to be human. The creature reads Paradise Lost. So you got to know that work and you got to know. The teacher goes on to say that the full syllabus includes stuff like Hamlet. Beowulf, another myth, Canterbury Tales, Mm -hmm. A Thousand Splendid Sons, which, by the way, he adds, like, reflects negatively on Christianity. At least the kids of the characters in A Thousand Splendid Sons are, like, not fans of Christianity. Right. um, Which I've read, and it's amazing. (laughs) Basically, the teacher is saying, there's no proselytizing here. This is, you got to understand the creation story in Adam and Eve in the Bible, Mm -hmm. not just as literature, but because so many other works of literature are built on that understanding. And so it's important to know. And by the way, to their credit, the superintendent said two things uh, when the news spoke with him. One, he said, 
I'm not doing any investigation because she hasn't filled out a formal request for an investigation. Hmm. Um, there is a process for that. She just sent an email. That's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing he said is, uh, I have complete confidence in my instructor and like the principal at the school. And like, I think the principal, like the superintendent asked, Hey, what's the deal here? The teacher explained what I just told you. And the superintendent's like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And finally, after how many years we've done this podcast, there's actually something I can speak with any kind of authority on because I was a lit major. I went to Ball State University and my early English lit class, guess what the first thing we had to read was? Was it Genesis 1? It was Genesis 1. Like, And I'm grateful I read it because, I mean, that was the one time in my entire life that I was like, oof, maybe like the fact that I haven't read the Bible is somewhat limiting me in my, Mm -hmm. in my life because there were a lot of like allusions to it that I didn't recognize and probably still, I mean, I'm probably much better about it now, but like, yeah, you do like whether or not you believe the Bible is quote like capital t truth right it is impossible to deny that it didn't have an effect on western literature right and this is why uh uh what's the word i'm looking for this is why optional uh classes oh totally what i'm looking for on bible literature like thank you this is why electives on bible as literature classes are fine they have no legal issue as long as they are really taught objectively which the problem is they often are not right but again i in my senior english class i think we read a section from ecclesiastes as a work of literature mm-hmm. and it was fine like yeah. we read other stuff too but again it's the context that matters and this mother is just and by the way i was looking at the facebook comments on the news stations yeah. post about this and there were a lot of posts from at least people who came off as atheists who are like, how dare this teacher make you read the Bible? The Bible has no place in school. No, that's false. No. They said church-state separation has to apply. It does, but this isn't the problem. Like, this isn't a church-state separation issue. Um, it's telling that, like, no church-state separation group said, how dare this Yeah, do-? And, hey, you know, it's always a good reminder that there are idiot atheists, too. Yeah, like, yeah. idiocy is not owned by the right. Yes, they've perfected it, <laughs> but it's not exclusive to them. Yeah. Like, I, it's it's true. The thing is, you know, we don't know what happened in that classroom. There could be a case to be made if the teacher was teaching it from a, like, I believe this is truth as opposed to this is a right. work of, this is right. a literary, literary work that has influenced everything and if that were true we would be having a very different conversation but that's not what happened yeah it's yeah not great not great at all guys we really need to stick with good battles highlight of my week was pausing the news segment on the computer screen because they did not write about that and just reading the like because when you're a teacher the kind of at least this is what i was told by colleagues like any email you send from your work email, like you should assume and treat it as if it's going to be splattered on the front page of the local paper the next day. So be professional. Don't right. say, oh, this parent's a dick. Like in your emails, right. be professional. Right. Whatever. And you could tell the teacher was doing that in this case, but very much like, what the hell are you wasting my time for? Yeah. <laughs> and it went on like that. God, I, so. Was it Canterbury Tales, I think, where I had to learn, this is the same English class, I had to learn the five 
marks, I guess, of like Jesus, like the two in the palms, the two in the feet, and then he got like stabbed in the side. Uh-huh. There's like, I don't know what it's called, but like we had to learn about because somebody was like, that came up in one of our pieces of work. And he's like, you know, the five wounds of Christ. And I was like, uh-huh. sure. drug emoji. I don't know what that right. means. And like, yeah, it, you know, Canterbury Tales is not exactly like cutting edge literature, but it is something we've all read and like is part of canon for better or for worse. And like right. uh, foundational documents, foundational works, are important and like and i i'm just thinking like one of the things i've been watching a lot of on youtube in general because of the pandemic especially is a ton of late night comedy things like in the morning the colbert monologues and stuff but i was oh, thinking yeah. like all of that stuff and like saturday night live in general for that to be funny to you it requires people to have this base of awareness <laughs> of stuff and this <laughs> is true of literature as well like for us to have this shared culture there, what are the things that we all should be aware of? Right. And it's hard if you're like an immigrant to the country, you don't know the in jokes of being an American. You know what I mean? And if you're raising your kids, if you're not religious and you're raising your kids without religion, which is happening more and more now, mm-hmm. they may grow up not knowing the stories of Christianity. Um, Cause if you're not exposed to it, why would you know? Yeah. Where like, are you going to stumble across that creation? Yeah. And so some of this stuff, you do have to know, I think atheists, especially like if you're not raising your kids with religion, mm-hmm. you still got to make sure they understand what other people believe at some point, because mm-hmm. that's a basis for conversation because people are going to talk about it, even if you don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to know what they're talking about. It's yeah. just common knowledge people need to know. Yeah. And this this is one of the key elements, especially in literature. It's mm-hmm. the basic story of Christianity, right? because every writer like makes reference as to right. it. And that's. I, I remember reading a story way back in high school that the character's name was like Eli Everjohn. It was like an Ann Tyler book or something we read. But I just remember like I didn't catch the reference to the name alone <laughs> until the teacher pointed out the biblical references there too. It's like, yep, never would have crossed my mind. Oh God, what is there is a short story or something like that, like. Oh, fuck i can't think of what it is but it's like a a christian allegory and literally like the main character's name is christian like it's so on the nose um yeah so two things one i want to be clear i don't want to be elitist in this like there is no reason you have to read dante's inferno to like enjoy you know enjoy reading or enjoy literature like i want to be clear about that like if you are studying it then like yeah you're probably gonna need to like soak in some of the basics and also i am aware of the hugely problematic fact that our canon our literary canon is by and large white and male and i'm not i'm not saying that the canon is what it is in the best way but when you're getting back toward you know 14th 15th 16th century we didn't have a lot to pick from (laughs) vis-a-vis people of color and women and these things got like these things get perpetuated and then it's hard to break away from them. So like, yes, we all need reading, to. I, I realize the problematic aspect of this, but even if you're reading the Harry Potter series right mm-hmm. now, and if you understand the Bible stories, 
there's a lot of parallels you could draw from there as well. And that's just the sort of thing, if you're trying to analyze any sort of literature, Mm -hmm. it's like it helps to know some of the bigger references. The same way, like, just understanding history is important. Like, guess what? Voldemort is an allegory. Like, the the Death Eaters are allegories for Nazis. Surprise! Like, to read that without any kind of context it still makes sense. He's still the bad guy, but like to understand the layers of it, in my opinion, makes something more enjoyable and, and enlightening, but like, or I can just read a Nora Roberts novel and like turn my brain off for a little bit. And that's great too. Like we don't, I I just want to make sure I didn't get bogged down in like literary canon and how important it is because it's problematic. But anyway, Uh, get this, this was out this morning and it, excited me so 538.com posted an article this morning Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna summarize the beginning of this like here's some facts if you look at at least one survey evangelical christians are about 22 percent of the country catholics are about 23 percent of the country Mm -hmm. people without religion organized religion are about 23 percent of the country we're all the same like numbers wise Mm -hmm. um in terms of how we vote we like even in 2018, 81% of white evangelicals supported Republicans, which is the same number that voted for Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. 75% of non religious people backed Democrats, which is again, slight difference, but basically the same polar opposites, right? Mm-hmm. But, and this is the point of the article Republicans go out of their way to make sure white evangelicals, conservative Catholics um, are voting for them, are supporting them, are part of their tent. Democrats have historically ignored secular Americans. And so for 538, Daniel Cox and Amelia Thompson DeVoe basically said, why are Democrats ignoring the non-religious people (laughs) um, when we should be as important to the Democratic Party as white evangelicals and conservative Catholics are for Republicans? Mm -hmm. Why aren't they embracing us? And I'm sure anyone listening can come up with a few very obvious answers to that. We don't gather regularly, um, mostly because we don't have friends. We don't have any leaders, per se. I mean, even if you say the the head of American atheists or whatever, we're talking representing a very small fraction right. of a very small subset of right. the nuns. Um, it could be toxic. Like, if Democrats actively said, we are trying to court non-religious people, it, look at what Republicans are doing now when they're not Like, well, there was a small caucus that didn't say under God and the pledge. Therefore, Joe Biden hates Jesus. (laughs) Imagine what would happen if they actually actively embraced us. And also, and this is to me the biggest thing, we are not reliable voters the same way white evangelicals are. We punch below our weight. And uh, so those are all legit reasons. But the article said um, there is good reason for Democrats to do it now. Mm -hmm. Trump may not be overtly religious, even whatever he says, but he's embraced a vision of American culture that privileges Christian identity and heritage. Mm-hmm. Well, most non-religious Americans reject that, and that is something Democrats could use to, to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. We are a growing demographic. Um, and I would also add, like, this is to their benefit because it's not just that we hate the fact, so many of us hate the fact that the GOP has embraced, like, white identity politics, uh-huh. white Christian identity politics. But, like, if if nothing else, the values that most non-religious people hold true, um, whether it's 
respect for science, church-state separation, actual religious freedom for everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, evidence-based public policy. Those are things we value. Those are things the Democratic Party values, too, without asking us. Right. Then you bring in, like, well, we fight for social justice, racial justice, economic justice, environmental issues. Like, both groups here, by and large, support those things without even talking to each other. It would like we're natural allies. I don't need Joe Biden saying, yep, God doesn't exist. Right. I need Joe Biden saying, well, let me tell you what I'm fighting for. And these are things you guys fight for. So let's join hands and like vote for me because I'm interested in reaching those same goals. That's all I think we need. We're, we're asking for neutrality. That should not be hard for Democrats to embrace. And that shouldn't be toxic yeah. for them either. I've said this before. I genuinely think that somebody's religious beliefs are among the least important things about them to get to know them. You know what I mean? Like I do not see Joe Biden being Catholic as pro or anti anything. I care about his advances on abortion and gay marriage and there are Catholics who are for that and there are Catholics who are against that. So like I can't use religion as a shorthand for fucking anything. So yeah, I don't need Joe Biden to like, say he doesn't believe in god i don't care uh, i it's just not, want trump it's not too late it's not too late and by the way it's a lot easier for down ballot candidates who are mm-hmm. democrats to do everything we just said like yeah. reach out to the non-religious you need their votes yeah uh it's not late i know it's like under 50 days or whatever mm-hmm. but the biden campaign could easily make an effort i hope they do yeah i hope so too um, can I talk? About- By the way, I want, let me add one quick thing, which is the worry here is not that if you don't do it, we're going to suddenly vote for Donald Trump. It's that there are a lot of non-religious people who may just sit out because we're apathetic people in general. Yes. Some of us. Well, some of us. Um, I would like to talk about, um, a state Senator from Oregon. Yes. You know, like I do, I follow Oregon state politics very closely, as you know, sure. Uh, especially all you ever talk about all I talk about, especially the Republicans. Um, so there's a guy named Fred. Uh, I think it's Gord. Do you know how to pronounce his name? Perchance? I do not. Okay. I'm going to say Gior. I'm going to call him Fred. His name's Fred. He's a uh, Republican state Senator. Um, and I, do you remember a couple oof, a year ago? It was June, 2019. Um, Oregon was trying to, um, they were trying to vote on um, a cap-and-trade proposal to lower greenhouse gases. Um, it, it, so it all came down oh, to climate change. Climate change. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at that time, Republicans so badly did not want to be a part of this that a lot of them just straight up left the state, including our friend Fred. And just to be clear, they didn't just say, we want to vote no on this bill. They said, if we leave... You don't have enough people in the state Senate right. to do any work can't because you, need a, you can't hold a vote because you need a quorum. And if we all just run away, you don't have quorum. We are blocking you from passing the thing that you already have the votes to pass. Yep. Just like and how so the founding all, fathers envisioned. Yeah. They all just ran away and disappeared until I think I, I don't remember the end of that story, but like uh, they ran away to the point where Democrats couldn't do anything, even if they were able to do something eventually. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. So I, I think if you've been following American news at all, you understand that half of our country is quite literally on fire. Um, the 
I think it was the nine of the last 10 biggest and most destructive uh, forest fires of all time have happened since the year 2000. We have evidence that these fires are more frequent and made worse by climate change. Um, and so these senators choosing not to let this, this deal go through because of whatever garbage reason they have are making it worse. Anyway, so Fred, our uh, aforementioned friend, anyway, he lost his house in the uh, Oregon wildfires. So... Well, well, well. If it isn't Karma. the consequences of my own actions. Yeah. I, anyway, Maybe like, one day, has he, I don't think he said anything recognizing the connection between those two things. No, I don't think so. Not that I've seen. Um, I haven't done that much in-depth research but yeah it's just it's just so hard to watch of people voting against their own best interests and not in a like civil rights area in a like hey you know you might want to do something about this so that you still have a home i think i remember a story and again this is just off the top of my head i think tony perkins of the family research council uh Christian hate group. This is a sort of guy. I don't know if he said this, but he's around people who have like, why did Louisiana get hit with hurricane Katrina? Cause of the gays, mm-hmm. cause of all that. And then he lost his house in a flood. And it's like, well, look at that. I don't delight in your misery here, but also, but I'm, not gonna, <laughs> but I'm not going to avoid pointing it out. Yeah, I don't like I don't want bad things to happen to people I don't like in general. I guess you're not a pastor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I take no delight in seeing this man's home destroyed, but it's just very hard to feel any empathy at all when he is one of the few people who is in a direct position to have prevented something like this and prevent something like this from continuing to happen all over his state. And he's just like opting out. Yep. Um, I got one last story for you here, which is that there is a church in California, North Valley Baptist church. I don't think we've talked about this one, but they've been meeting in person, indoor services. They are big, no face masks, no social distancing. And yes, to singing, which only spreads the virus. Mm, um, good. A, few, a few weeks ago, the county, Santa Clara County, I believe, they posted like a notice on the door of their church saying, you guys are violating all the rules mm-hmm. and we're going to fine you for it. And they actually had so many fines listed. They said lack of social distancing alone. Mm-hmm. It's $250 for the first offense, but it goes up every time you do it to the, until you hit $5,000 and then we'll just keep finding you five grand. And by the way, there's a whole bunch of other violations of the law you are doing at this church mm-hmm. and we'll find you 5,000 every time for that. And so the pastor of that church, Jack Treber he posted a video online saying we have to pay $10,000 right now. This is insane. This is persecution. And he said, this area needs the church. And then guess what happened? He kept meeting. (laughs) And then earlier (laughs) this month posts another video. We owe $52,750. This is insane. He said, I am asking you to the county, stop all fines. And I am asking you to remove all fines. This is not Caesar's money. This is God's money. Well, guess what the county said? Don't care. Yeah. We're still breaking the law. We're still going to. I made was me flipping the bird. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it makes a fart sound. <laughs> <laughs> and now the county's latest bill is at 112750 And the county says, yeah, you still got to pay it. And that is what it finally took for the church to move outdoors and have everyone sit in their cars and listen to the service as they should have done to begin with. The county has no plans to waive the fees. Good. Uh-huh. Right on. Again? This is in, I believe, Santa Clara, California. I mean, at least finally the church is going to contribute some stuff to the coffers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Pay property taxes, but maybe we can rack up some fines on them. And part of it is kind of funny. If you watch the sermon from like last weekend, you hear a bunch of people, they can't shout amen because they're not in church, but they're honking. Mm -hmm. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. They got to have their service. Like the pastor's still speaking. It's all good. Like they're having a church service the way they're allowed to have a church service if they don't want to go online only. Right. And so good. Like the county did exactly what it needed to do. And this church caved. Yay. And like... Uh, to be clear, we are happy now because they are being safer and not putting their congregants at risk. Yeah, we care about anymore. the life of their congregation more than this, the pastor did. Like, yes, I am extraordinarily petty. And like, I am very petty about the fact that these people had to, ch- you know, cough up a hundred grand for doing something they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. But like, first and for- I'm, I, I am not a person who thinks rules should be followed just because they're rules. I think these rules should be followed because otherwise people are dying. Right. Like Herman Cain is dead because he went to that like Trump convention thing. Like, I don't yeah. know how clearer we can be. I, I think that number, there was a wedding in Maine and seven people are dead and none of them attended the wedding. Yes, That's I saw cool. that too. It was something like there's a 25 person wedding and there were like 75 cases because of it. Like, uh-huh. How stupid do you have to be to hold an in-person wedding with all the restrict without the restrictions? Like, yeah. I know you want the wedding, but too bad. So Jessica, where can we find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, you can order. St- I've gotten a few orders from listeners at my Etsy shop. Bitches get stitched done. Um, if you are thinking about ordering something for the holidays, get those in early because I do hand make everything and they take forever um Hammett, where can we find you bud i am at Hammett meta on twitter go to friendly atheist on youtube or friendlyatheist.com mm-hmm. and that's it okay um yeah did you say friendly atheist at gmail.com oh yeah friendly atheist podcast at gmail.com if you have any oh, yeah. questions for the show while jessica pulls up i think a review oh or um if i not, did i wasn't going to here i go I, I will give you a five-star review. It says this show is wonderful. Um, okay, we don't have any new ones from last How week. How dare you listeners. Yeah, I you, you all. Stagnated. We still need to watch that Cameron... <laughs> we, not Cameron Crowe. What's his Kirk name? Cameron. Kirk Kirk Cameron. Cameron. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, happening. Because I'm going to Southern Illinois, baby. Party <laughs> town. Bring in the dog. If you live in Southern Illinois, come get a drink with us. My dog will be there, probably farting a lot. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right I'll talk we'll to you next week. week. Bye. Bye.